If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Clutter is a major, major problem in our lives, bigger than you probably even realize. Today on The Shaleen Show, this is part two of The Declutter Project. Welcome to The Shaleen Show. Shaleen is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. After part one, I went to my Snapchat family and I said, hey guys, leave me a voicemail and let me know how clutter has an impact on your life. How does it make you feel? Does it slow you down? Are you able to ignore it? Can you go about your day or does it have an effect on you? Here's what you said. As I'm sitting here sending this to you, I'm staring at a pile of dishes because I put too much stuff on my schedule. It gives me the worst anxiety. I feel worthless. I feel like I can't accomplish anything. I just get the heebie-jeebies. My house is very cluttered. But it's behind doors, the closet door, my office closet, my kitchen cabinets, all behind closed doors, but it's still cluttered. When I have to address it, it makes me feel anxious and anxiety, which leads me to want to calm my anxiety down by stuffing my face with food. Right now, my office is full of clutter. It's basically a storage room temporarily, and I do not even want to go in there to sit at my computer to start working on my business. I mean, there's a, I avoid that room at all costs. I don't even want to go in that room to declutter. So yes, it makes me stressful just sitting on my couch in the decluttered room. I'm stressed thinking about the cluttered room. Okay, those last two messages, did you notice the common theme? Both of them said they could feel the clutter. They were blocked from doing the things they needed to do, even if they couldn't see the clutter, just knowing that the clutter is there. Even when you're at your office and you're trying to work, that cluttered closet that you left behind in the morning is still in your subconscious, preventing you from doing the things you need to do. It's a really big deal. Okay, here's a few more. When my house is cluttered, I feel very confused, irritated, and just not myself. My daddy told me when I was growing up, if your room is cluttered, your head is cluttered. Hey, Shalene, it's CJ. I cannot work in my office right now for two reasons. One, because there's not enough natural light. And number two, because there's crap everywhere and it's super cluttered. And anytime I go into my office, I feel a massive anxiety panic attack because everything is not put where it needs to be put clutter just makes me feel extremely anxious okay i'm going to interrupt her message for just a moment because i had to stop listening eventually because i had literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who all said the same thing i didn't get one message from one person who said clutter isn't a big deal and most of the messages were using the same words like anxiety stress debilitating I feel bad about myself, like paralyzed by clutter. If I don't 
organize and clean my home before I leave to work. When I come back, it is the biggest distraction. Um, I will have a plan to work out and I'll have it written in my push journal. And when I come home and see that the house needs any kind of cleaning, I will absolutely go into doing that instead of what I wanted or set out to do. Now, these messages were audio messages that were left for me from my Snapchat family. Okay, so just a little side note that you might find interesting. And I did it on Snapchat because it's just, it's really, really easy for me to communicate back and forth really fast with people. I don't have as many followers on Snapchat, so it's just a really great place for me to connect with with uh, my lifers and in this format. So I really appreciate everyone who's left a message. I have the ability to see my demographic statistics on Snapchat. And here's an interesting little tidbit. I have 96% female following on Snapchat and I have 4% dudes. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I just have the elite of the elite dudes. And so in my mind, like if you're one of the guys that follows me on Snapchat, just so you know, in, in my head, you guys are all like chiseled Greek gods with super high IQs. You're really nice. You're really kind. You're clearly very, very intelligent. I mean, they're elite. They're the 4%. I now call them my 4%ers. Here's one of them. Shalene. By the way, my name is Alan Belcher. I'm a former UFC fighter. Now I'm a marketer, entrepreneur. When my workspace is cluttered, or my house, it makes me feel like I have no momentum and like I need to just start over. Like I need to just, I can't do anything. I can't even start to gain any momentum. Yeah, I would love to have help with that. If my house is messy, if my house is cluttered, my mind is cluttered. I can't even think straight. If I walk in to the kitchen and there's dishes everywhere or um, if the living room is a mess, if I can keep the central area of the house clean where we live the most, kitchen, living room, that area, I feel so much, my mind is so much more at ease. I can't stand clutter. Okay, okay, we get the picture. I wanted to play those for you so that you know you're not crazy. It's a real thing. And I've been thinking a lot about this and looking at neuroscience and how our brains function and how our brains have developed. And it's no wonder that this is so debilitating. I mean, the average person, get this, has 7,000 items in their home that they don't need or touch or use. 7,000. 7,000. That's Each one of those is the decision. And as you know, every decision we make causes our brain to use energy. It's no wonder. It's no wonder this is so debilitating. And it's a really important topic. So I thank you for being a part of this very important series. So let's get to work. The first thing I have to identify is that organization and clutter are two different things. A lot of people in their messages would say, when I'm disorganized, or when my house is not organized, that's different from clutter, but we sometimes use those words interchangeably. For our purposes, I'm going to separate them. Okay, so if you ever walked into the Disney store, I so apologize if there's any Disney executives listening, but if you've ever walked into a Disney store, your brain kind of feels that way. It's like, whoa, it's like there's so much there. It feels like clutter. It's a lot. It's like a lot of stuff, right? And it feels distracting, but there's definitely organization in place. 
If you've ever walked into like a discount clothing store here in the United States, we have one that's called Forever 21. This is the one specifically I'm thinking about. And whenever I go in there, it's very organized, but it's very cluttered. You can't move the hangers. Like I've left before because I'm like, you know what? I just need a cheap blouse, but it's not even worth having to feel so distracted by so much. So organization is the systems that allow you to find things where they're supposed to be. You can walk into one of those environments that I've just described and you can ask a sales clerk, where will I find fill in the blank? And they will direct you to it very quickly. So that's organization. Systems and organization can only be put in place after the clutter has been removed. So our first order of business is to declutter. And I just want to be very clear about that because I don't want you to have to repeat this process over and over and over again. I mean, as you can hear, it's exhausting to do that. So I want to teach you some skills. These are really, really important skills that you can apply moving forward. And it's going to make a huge difference in how you feel. I want you to think of these steps that I want to share with you as preparation. They are preparation to move your life forward or promotion, right? Like anytime we're moving from where we are to where we want to be a higher level, that's promotion. And we have to prepare for promotion. And part of preparation for promotion is purging, getting rid of things that we don't need. Step one is to take a look at your calendar for the next seven days. And I need you to find a block of time that you are absolutely positively sure you can devote it uninterrupted to decluttering. I don't know what your next seven days look like. You, over the course of the next seven days, might only have an hour in your schedule. Or maybe you can get up early one of those days. Or maybe it's just not likely. Maybe it's just not going to happen this week. Okay, good luck. But my suggestion is even if it's only 10 minutes, find it. Identify it. How much time do you really legitimately have that you can focus to decluttering? Because we have to figure that out before we can decide what you're going to start with. Because you can't say like, oh, okay, cool. Let's start with my closet. And you've only got an hour this week. That ain't going to happen. We might have to start much smaller. So step one, identify how much time you have. It may range from 10 minutes to 10 hours. You might be able to take the next four days off and just focus on this. But based on the amount of time that you have available, we move on to step two. Step two is to looking at the amount of time you have, now you've got to pick an area a space that fits the amount of time you have available to take it from start to finish. So let me give you an example. Let's just say that you've decided after looking at your schedule, you've only got an hour and it's your closet that you identified from part one that is giving you the absolute most anxiety. Well, we can't tackle the whole closet in an hour. It's just unrealistic. It ain't gonna happen. What we can tackle is maybe your workout clothes, or maybe just your shoes, or maybe just your boots. You're going to have to pick one area that is appropriate based on the amount of chaos that's in that space, the amount of things that are in that space, and how much time you have available. Step three, visualize what you want that space to look like now until forever. Now, if the area you've selected is a small part of a bigger piece or a bigger project, again, using the closet as an example, or let's say let's say you chose one little corner of the garage where you store the kids' toys. 
when you visualize what you want that area to look like, I want you to visualize the, the big picture, but narrow your focus, your vision to this specific area that you're going to start with because we're going to get a small win here. But when I say visualize what you want it to look like, like picture it, go on Pinterest, type in organization or neat and tidy or decluttered toys or decluttered workout clothes. Just start looking if you don't have any idea what it could look like because you've got to be able to picture it and see it in order to create that vision. Now, before we embark on decluttering this area, which by the way, we only are going to do during the time that you have scheduled on your calendar and devote to it. And I mean, do I really even need to mention how important this is? Just hearing your messages, I'm like, this is earth shattering. This is a really big deal. Like people are about to jump off of buildings and run away from their families because of the chaos. Like one lady, her message was so funny. She's like, I should have saved it, but it was before I realized I could record your messages. She said, some days I come home and I open up the front door and my family's there and it looks like a bomb has gone off and it takes everything I have, not just to turn around and get back in my car and drive far, far away. (laughs) I'm like, oh, sister, I hear you. I get it. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So you're going to put it on your calendar and you're going to honor it as if it were your best friend's wedding. But this next step has to be done before that scheduled time because if you don't do this next step, you're going to repeat this process over and over again. It's this next step that's actually the first part where we can start to build organization and systems. And it's the organizations and systems that allow this to become a habit where you don't have to do this every six months or so. I mean, let's be honest. Once you establish the organization, and the systems, this becomes so much easier. I'm not going to, you know, paint a picture for you that you'll never, your house will never, ever become unorganized again. I'm just saying, once you have systems in place, it's a different ballgame. And systems start with rules. So we have to establish some rules before you even start decluttering, or you know what you'll end up doing? Moving things around, which is a big, huge waste of time. So you need to set some policies by which you can determine what you do with everything you touch. Here's what I mean by that. Every time you pick up an item or look at an item, you need to make a decision before you let go of the item. You can't just put it in a pile and say, well, I'll decide later. Every single item you touch needs to go into one of four places. Now, there's lots of different methodologies I've seen used for this. I'm going to share a combination of these methodologies that I've taken, and it works for me, and it's based on three or four different books that I've read. Some people call it the four-pile system, the four-box system, the four-bin system. I call it the four bins, okay? Now, here's how you will label those bins or boxes or bags, whatever it is you decide to use. Number one, trash. Number two, donate. Number three, relocate, which I hope there's nothing that goes in that relocate file. I mean, very little. Very few things should be going in the relocate bin, box, bag. That one, you will label keep. But even though you've labeled it keep, you're not going to place it back in that space yet. The life-changing magic of tidying up. Now, I try to read an organization or a declutter book at least once or twice a year, and I try to find new ones, and they, they always help inspire me to create even better systems. But the one thing I've always struggled with is that conversation that happens when I go through this four bin ritual. 
that conversation where I can talk myself into keeping too many things. And despite every book that I've ever read, I've never been able to kind of like let go of things that I, I can talk myself into keeping until I read her book. So I'd like to share with you how her system of helping you make that decision has had a profound effect on my ability to let go of things. You see, each time you have to make Again, a decision to put that item that's in your hand into one of those four bins, you have to have a conversation with yourself. And that conversation can often go something like this. Well, I mean, it's really nice. I spent a lot of money on this. I just haven't worn it yet. You know what? I can't throw this away. I can't donate it. And there's no place to move it. So I'm just going to keep it because I spent a lot of money on it. Or I can't throw this away and I can't donate it. And there's no reason to move it. I guess I have to keep it, and I have to keep it because so-and-so gave it to me. It's got sentimental value. That one was a tough one for me. Things like trophies or special gifts or little knickknacks sometimes that I'd be at an event and someone would give me like a little angel figurine. And I'm like, I can't throw an angel figurine away. I mean, like, won't God strike me down and want to go to hell if I throw away an angel figurine, (laughs) even though it was made out of beer caps? (laughs) I had this conversation with my daughter, Sierra, one time. I was telling her this this struggle that I have when people give me little knickknacks like at events and stuff. And she goes, Mom, I'm pretty sure that's not how God works. I'm like, okay, yeah, good point. I guess I can let go of the angel figurine. But I still had a lot of guilt associated with anything that had even the slightest bit of sentimental value until I read her book. And as she says, the gift that was given to you served its purpose. It touched you. It made you appreciate that they thought of you. It's already served its purpose. Now, if that person knew that it was creating a burden for you, that it was distracting you, it turned into clutter, which is something that holds us back from our greatness. In other words, if this person knew that the thing that they gave you was holding you back from your greatness, don't you think that they would want you to get rid of it? And that has helped me so much. Here's another example. Sometimes I didn't want to let go of things because I felt like they were part of history. Maybe one of my kids, you know, drew a picture for me when they were like four years old. And it's this like, you know, piece, tattered piece of paper that I'm keeping in a box filled with their sentimental things. And I bet your mom did that too. And I know when my mom gave me that box, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? This is sentimental to you, mom. It's not sentimental to me. So what she suggested that you do is if you really must remember it, Take a picture of it. It's not like you're going to pull it out at a dinner party. And as you know, it's not like your kids are really going to care to have that stuff back themselves. They might want to see it. I think that's kind of interesting. But that's why you can take a photo of it and then categorize the photos that you've taken of these things. The same thing is true with special heirlooms. If the person who gave it to you, if you're just holding on to it out of guilt and it's holding your your life back, you got to get rid of it. You got to donate it. I mean, you could, of course, give it to a relative. And she addresses this in the book, you know, giving things that are sentimental to someone else. And she's very much against it. She says, you know, if it's holding you back from your greatness, why would you do that to somebody else you love? And I get it. But there are also instances where I know personally I had things of sentimental value. Like, for example, I had uh, dining room hutches that were from my great grandmother, but they didn't match my house. And I could never sell them, and I couldn't donate them. So I knew it meant probably more clutter for my parents, but 
it would only be right to offer that to them. So I did. And they did come to pick them up with the truck and now they're cluttering their house. But we've got a choice to make, right? And so many of these weird beliefs that we have about things are really holding us back. You heard the messages. You know how you feel about this stuff. So we've got to let go of the guilt and figure out what bin that item in your hand needs to go in. And very few things should go in your keep bin box bag. Another excuse that we often use is, I may need this sometime in the future. (laughs) I don't know how many items of clothing I've held on to just certain that, well, you know what? If there was like a 70s party with a St. Patrick's theme, like this would work. So I better hold on to it just in case. This is the truth. We had a storage closet that had every single Halloween costume my kids and I and Brett have ever worn over the course of the last 23 years. Now, you might think that's not very much, but you don't understand my family in Halloween. Me personally, I do at least three or four different costumes (laughs) for Halloween. If you follow me on social media, you know Halloween is like, that's fun for me. And my kids, of course, I've raised them to be the same way, and they do like three or four different Halloween costumes. So we had, we legit had this huge storage closet that we would have had to buy one of those storage units if I hadn't finally just said, okay, get rid of it. And that's what we did. I called a friend. And I said, I- I'm throwing this away today unless you come over and pick it up. It's about 7,000 Halloween costumes from age two to age whatever. Do you want them? And she's like, I'll, I'll come and get them. Monica, if you're listening, I hope you are because girlfriend, you need to declutter too. I need to be a better friend and stop sending my clutter over to your house. But you know what? My thought was, oh, I better not throw any of these costumes away because they're memories. But I've got photos of every single picture of my kids from Halloween. So what was I going to do? Expect them to dress up in those costumes again someday? I mean, it's just silly why we hang on to things. We hang on to things because we don't want to be wasteful. Sierra is a senior in high school. Brock is in college. He's a collegiate athlete. Recently, when I was going through this process, I found a drawer that was just filled with craft paper, like, you know, that thick kind of construction paper. It's kind of really gross, like different colored construction paper and Elmer's glue. And I realized we haven't touched that drawer in, I don't know, eight years, but it was all new paper and all new glue. But I'm like, when am I as an adult ever going to use friggin' Elmer's glue and construction paper. And if I need it, I can spend the $3. It's worth it for me to get rid of this. You know, the $3, the $10, whatever it is I feel like I'm wasting. Again, I can donate this if I want. And that's another thing is like, you know, how much of this stuff you think you're going to donate? That's fine. Go ahead and donate. But nobody wants it. Nobody wants that junk. Nobody wants 30 pieces of construction paper and two half-used bottles of Elmer's glue. Throw it away. And what about the things we don't let go of because they need repair? Like the pants you've been meaning to take to the tailor to have hemmed, but they've been hanging in your closet now for, oh, about six years, and they're completely out of date now. Or the picture frame that you were going to glue the corners back together. The coffee mug that you were going to repair. It's the land of misfit toys. Anything that's broken, anything that needs to be fixed, and you haven't done it in the last six months, it's time. You know where it needs to go. Get rid of it. Now let's talk about clothes because that's a really big deal, at least for the 96% of my female listeners. And I'm not so sure if it's a problem for my 4%ers, but it's a big deal for a lot of ladies because 
We hang on to clothes. We hang on to clothes because we want a plan B. What if I get so skinny these fit again? Or what if I gain my weight back and I don't have anything to wear? You're either living in the present or you're living in the past. But neither of those things have anything to do with the future. They simply represent the fact, and this is going to sting a little bit, that you haven't let go. That was you in the past. Good or bad, that was a different version of you. There may be a better version of you coming around the corner, but a better version of you is going to want better clothes. It's an opportunity to go shopping. It is time to let go figuratively and literally. And it's not just letting go of our past. It's letting go of small beliefs, beliefs that are limiting us. The belief that if you give these things away, if you donate them, if you let go of them, that suddenly somehow you're less valuable or that you're wasting money or wasting things. That's a scarcity mindset. You've got to let go of these things. Things don't define us. No one cares that you have 165 pairs of Nike shocks, Shalene once said to herself. It's true. I had saved every single pair of Nike shocks ever purchased or ever worn in a video. And as you may or may not know, I've done over 200 exercise DVDs. And I held on to each pair of shocks as a memento (laughs) from that video. But you see the problem with that? There's already a memento. There's already a video floating around somewhere out on the internet that I'm embarrassed about. (laughs) Anyway, so why did I need to hang on to all those shoes? And then at some point, I guess I thought, well, that would be impressive. I'm just being honest right now. I had all these shoes and I didn't wear them. I just lined them up and I color coordinated the way they were lined up. And it was shortly after I read Marie's book, because this is one of those things I couldn't let go of because there was sentimental value, right? And it was shortly after I read her book that it made me realize I already have a memory of these things. It's already on a video. Why am I hanging on to all these shoes when there are people who could use these shoes? I can donate these shoes. These are really good shoes that to someone who doesn't have a pair of great athletic shoes. I can give these to an organization that could actually sell them. And that's actually what I did. I thought I can donate these or I can give them to an organization where they can resell them. Now, when I watch reality TV shows of the rich and famous and they pan through their closets and they show this huge shoe collection, it doesn't make me think more of them. It makes me think that they feel like they're not an important person unless they have all those things. Because you and I both know, and I'm sorry to pick on the Kardashians, but when they pan their shoe collection, they're not going to wear any of those shoes ever again. Every new event they go to, they wear a new outfit and a new pair of shoes. So why do you have to keep building more space, more space, more space to display these shoes? And I don't do that anymore. I don't do that with my purses. I don't do that with my shoes. And I used to, and and I did it because I would see it on TV shows. And I'm like, well, I've got all these really nice shoes and all these really nice purses. I should display them. And I'm like, why? It doesn't make me a better person. If anything, I think less of people now, this is just me, and I'm sorry if it offends you, but I just think less of people who are like, you know, they've got 
thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of purses and shoes just sitting and they're never going to wear them again. And why not just donate that? Why not just give? I mean, if it doesn't mean anything to you, every single day that it stays in your closet, it diminishes in value. And if you don't care about it, give it to somebody else who can sell it and use that money to help someone else. Now the only, I guess you could say, luxury items like really nice shoes or really nice purses that I keep are the ones that I use all the time. If they're not comfortable, if I don't plan on wearing them again, and I really do think about it, I look at them like, okay, so if there's the perfect, perfect event for me to wear that item to, that would mean it's a pretty big deal. Like that's a fancy pair of shoes. So if I have a fancy event, am I wearing those shoes or am I going to go get a new pair? You know, because you always want something new for these things. And I'm very honest with myself and I donate them or I resell them using a service. Now, I tried initially to resell them on eBay or Poshmark and those things are great, especially if you've got the time to monitor them. I mean, you can really make some money. Think about this for a second. If you have 7,000, if you're just the average person, unused, untouched items that you don't need in your home. And let's just say on average, you could get 50 cents for each one of those items, because, you know, some of them are worth probably a couple hundred bucks. Let's just say you could get 50 cents for every single one of those items. You don't need $3,500 right now. Okay, anyways, so some of my higher end items, like if they are a designer shoe or a designer bag or whatever, I now use a service. You might want to look into this. It's called The Real Real, R-E-A-L-R-E-A-L, therealreal.com. And what they do is they resell those items and you almost get nearly 50% of the original price of the item back. And I take all of those proceeds, every single penny, and Brett and I together donate every penny of that to organizations that help survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And it feels really good. The next really big reason why we hold on to things is because we don't want to be caught off guard. (laughs) So... It's like we have a bunker. We think of our space as a little bunker. It's like, I shouldn't throw this Walkman away, right? Because what if someday I find a cassette tape and I have nothing to play it on? Like we create these crazy wackadoodle scenarios in our head, which you can justify it. I'm just telling you, it is so unproductive. You can stay right where you are. Your life, I'm just going to give you some real talk right now. Your life stays where it's at if you keep holding on to this junk. You know, this mindset that you're, you're going to be caught off guard and be so bummed out that you don't have this one item that you once had. It's ludicrous. It borders on hoarding. I'm not kidding. You've got to let go of that. You can go out and buy another if you need to. It's worth it. It's worth it to free your mind from the clutter. And the final piece I need to address is the issue of collecting. And, you know, I kind of touched upon it with my own story with the Nike shocks, which, by the way, they're coming back. But anyways, that is collecting where (laughs) we're like, well, I use this thing, but you, you only need one. So why are you collecting something that you can only use one at a time or it doesn't make sense to have a collection of these things? Knickknacks, 10 of the same item, just in case you run out. Again, it's that same like, bunker mentality, like the world is going to come to an end. And oh, no, what if you don't have every single color of MAC matte lipstick that they've made for the last 20 years? I mean, do you really need every color? Exceptions are the ones that you do use. 
I'm going to like just give myself a little leeway here in case Brett's listening. I do need several pairs of headphones and I do need several pairs of seeing eyeglasses because I'm constantly leaving them in places where I can't remember where I left them. So that makes sense, okay? But anything else, if it's just a collection to have a collection, that doesn't make sense. Like a collection of sunglasses and, you know, half of them are five years old. And you're a trendy girl. You're not going to wear glasses, sunglasses that are from five years ago. That's so five years ago. (laughs) Give up the collection. Donate it. Okay, so that's been some real talk. That's it for this episode. I'm doing this in bite-sized pieces. In part three, we'll dive into organization and systems policies that will help you maintain the tidiness of this area that you're about to declutter. Decluttering is one thing, but it's not until we create systems, policies, rules, and organization that these areas will stay clutter-free. You have your assignment, I hope. I hope you'll start with something small. So you've got to win. You know, don't bite off more than you can chew. Are you just going to end up worse off if you think that the space you need to organize, you can get done very quickly, you're wrong, and then something's going to interrupt you, and then there it will sit, half done, and you're going to feel worse. So pick a very small project, give it twice the amount of time that you think it needs, get it done, and report back to me. Part three is going to be very powerful. Please share this episode with anyone you know and everyone you know, because 85% of people report that they feel overwhelmed by the clutter in their lives. Can you believe that? Is that a crazy statistic? In part three, I'm going to share some other pretty shocking statistics with you that will further solidify the importance of the time that you're spending to do this right now. This could potentially help you in your diet, your marriage, your finances, and for sure your business. You're going to teach your kids some important things. This is really important stuff, you guys. And I, I'm loving hearing about your progress. You are the bomb.com. I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. This episode, I thought it would be important to mention again, the Smart Life Push Journal. Now you've heard me talk about it before, but it's a system. It's organization. And clearly, that's important to you. It's in your Smart Life Push Journal, if you already have one, that I want you to schedule that time in the day that you're going to set aside to do this decluttering. Using an app on your phone to keep your life organized is like white noise. It used to work. It doesn't work anymore. Your phone is white noise. You spend most of your day trying to ignore it. When you carry around a Smart Life Push Journal, which I've designed for it to be convenient for you to do that, You are in control of your day, your destiny, your food, your nutrition, your schedule, your sleep. It's unbelievable and it's so simple. That's why I created it because a lot of the planners that I bought felt like another job to figure it out or I felt like a loser if I had to skip a few days and then I wasted those pages. So none of the pages are dated. You write in the dates when you use it because hello, you're a human being and I know you're not going to do it every day. But if you even do it 80% of the time, dude, look out, look out world. Check it out. Okay. You've been hearing about it long enough. It's time for you to take action. I'm not kidding. It's time for you to take action. You're listening all the way to this point. Hello. And to a whole episode, a whole series on decluttering, you get it. So now invest, invest in yourself. That will keep you accountable. You'll have no choice but to up-level your life by improving your habits. Check it out by going to smartlifepushjournal.com. Thanks for listening. 